I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. Looking to get a lively conversation going? Well, next time you're at a dinner party, just say the letters GMO. The subject of genetically modified organisms tends to get passions inflamed, and the debate is only heating up with the need to protect crops from the growing threat of climate change. For our What's for Lunch series on food and climate change, we sent reporter John Miller to Uganda to look at the conversation surrounding one possible GM crop. Cassava is not what you'd call a glamour crop. Above the ground, it's a tall, spindly shrub. The edible parts, the roots, look like gnarly logs. Boil them up and they're gluey and bland. In Uganda, banana is by far the more popular carb, but cassava might be more important. So this is the cassava. It is, it is here. That's Edward Chibuka. He rents half an acre of land in a village north of Uganda's capital, Kampala. For income, he tends a tiny patch of chili peppers and raises a few chickens. But cassava is his lifeline. The land is too small. The income is very, very small. So I have to survive on this cassava. In Uganda, as in many parts of Africa, cassava is the ultimate food security crop. It can grow almost anywhere. It produces prodigiously. You don't need to buy seeds. You just use cuttings from last season's crop. Other staples need to be picked and eaten before they rot, but cassava can stay in the ground for years. It tolerates high temperatures and flooding and drought, perfect for the climate that's coming. But here in East Africa, it's under attack. Chibuka pulls up a root and slices it with his machete. The white flesh is riddled with brown marks. You cannot consume this cassava. The culprit is cassava brown streak disease. It first appeared in Uganda in 2005. Now it's sweeping through the country. You may plant and then, and then, and then, and then go without getting anything. I ask him how it feels to plant a crop, wait a year, then pull up nothing but rotten roots. You feel frustrated, discouraged. I'm hungry. A few miles down the road, scientist Titus Alichai thinks he has a solution. These are cassava plants that have been transformed for resistance to cassava brown streak disease. Alichai is a cassava breeder for Uganda's National Crop Research Institute. He takes me into a shaded nursery full of thousands of small plants. We have copied information from the two viruses that cause cassava brown streak disease and introduce that into the cassava tissue to trigger their immune defense system. That's genetic information. Alichai says moving genes around this way isn't just faster than conventional breeding, it's also much more accurate. Conventional breeding's like having sex. You can't really control how your kids come out. Basically, you're, you're bringing the whole set of genes from one parent and to go and mix it with the other set of genes from the other parent. But in the transgenic cassava, the virus fragments are introduced into popular local strains. In theory, the only difference is that they won't be ruined by brown streak disease. The plan is to test them for health and environmental effects, then to give cuttings to Ugandan farmers for free, maybe as early as 2016. That is, if the country decides it can live with genetically modified crops. In Uganda, we don't need GMOs. Richard Mugisha works with a nonprofit that promotes small-scale sustainable agriculture. He's also part of a coalition called the Food Rights Alliance. We are worried, very worried, because we know that once GMOs are introduced in a country, there would not be any other seed 
our traditional seeds will be wiped out completely, and that means they will make our farmers depend entirely on multinational companies. Mugisha says he doesn't believe GM crops are really meant to benefit poor Ugandans. They're meant to benefit the U.S. agricultural giant, Monsanto. In fact, Mugisha says he wouldn't be surprised if Monsanto introduced the cassava brown streak virus in Uganda in order to create a market for GMOs. No one else I talked to made that claim, but for many here, as in the international movement against GMOs, genetic engineering and Monsanto are pretty much the same thing. Monsanto is the gorilla in the closet. They are this technology and this industry's spokesperson. Gregory Jaffe is with the Center for Science in the Public Interest, a consumer group in Washington. He says Monsanto has aggressively pushed GM crops around the world, and its fingerprints are on the efforts by many others to create GM products for low-income farmers, including the disease-resistant cassava, which was developed at a research center with close ties to Monsanto. But Jaffe says it's important to separate the technology from the company. There are concerns, real concerns, about agricultural biotechnology or genetically modified organisms. Unfortunately, the international debate around genetic engineered crops has become an us-versus-them type of thing. You have proponents on one side who talk in generalities, who say this is safe, it's beneficial, and you have opponents on the other side who say it's not safe and not beneficial. And the reality is you need to look at each specific application. And those can vary a lot. One GM crop may repel insects, another may tolerate drought, another may have more vitamins. They may behave differently in the environment or in the body. Then there's the question of how they're distributed and who gets the profits. Uganda's parliament is considering a biosafety law that would weigh the risks and benefits of GMOs on a case-by-case basis. Supporters say it'll help the country take advantage of a powerful technology. Opponents worry that the law will be too hard to enforce. Both sides admit that the argument hasn't really reached the people who would be growing the crops. One afternoon, I drop in on a farmer named Eva Mugalu. Very nice to meet you. Mugalu raised 11 kids on three acres of land. We walk past piglets chomping on cassava leaves and into her cassava patch. She pulls up a root. It's infected. You see? That is a sickness. She pulls up another, which is fine. This one is good. She cracks it in half, shaves off some skin, takes a bite, then offers some to me. That's good. Starchy, it's good though. Kind of like eating a raw potato. But we're talking survival here, not haute cuisine. I ask Mugalu if she's aware of the controversy over genetic engineering, and she says no. She says she doesn't really care where her crops come from, as long as they're safe, and they're there when she needs them. For The World, I'm John Miller, Namulonge, Uganda. Our What's for Lunch series is part of Food for Nine Billion, a two-year project of Homelands Productions and the Center for Investigative Reporting in partnership with The World, PBS NewsHour, and American Public Media's Marketplace.